Well, good morning. I hope you all are doing really, really well. As Christian shared, we had a lovely back-to-school fair, wet and muddy, but lovely nonetheless is the word I'm looking for. It was amazing. And all the people that we got to serve, the people we got to invite to church and invite to uh, the back-to-school, or not the back-to-school, to to the uh, block party coming up in a few weeks was really amazing. So what a... What a blessing to be involved in that. I look forward to helping with those in the future, whatever that looks like. I also wanted to take a a moment to thank um, Pete Popeil and Harvey and uh, Bill Scott for for bringing the word the last three weeks. Between vacation and some other fun, it was a much welcomed uh, a break from teaching. So thank you very much to those uh, brothers. What I wanted to, to talk about this week, have you ever had a week that just felt really full? Has anyone ever had a week that just felt really full? You were, you were at capacity. Well, that was... This week, for me, it was a very full week, and I'm still recovering from shingles, and so my energy level is a little bit low, and, and there was, it just seemed like every day there was something new, um, and uh, I say full because that's a thing that, that was a, that's, a, that's a choice. I, most of us would say, I had a busy week, right? It was busy. And, and, and I think when I, when I say busy, maybe when you say busy, it's kind of like a negative thing, right? Busyness. Well, my brother Glenn confronted me gently many years ago, many years ago, and just said, yeah, busy's, that's pretty negative. He's like, why, what about full? And I was like, all right. So I grabbed hold of that. I've been doing that ever since. Maybe you want to do that. Maybe not. It seems like a could do, could not do. It's not like a this is going to solve things. But when we, when we look at like scripture and it talks about, uh, I was talking with uh, some friends a few nights ago and uh, Philippians 4.8 came up. Meditate on these good things, right? All the good things. Because in everything, God is doing good, right? And despite the fact that my Schedule was, in fact, busy by the definition of the word this week. It was delightfully full, right? Like every single one of those things was delightful. God was doing something good in it, despite the fact that I may have been feeling tired or busy. So as I reflect on it, thanks to Glenn, I say full. Because that gives me, it's a word that gives me a posture of thanksgiving in it. It was full. It was full of good and wonderful things. So thank you, Glenn, for that. But that being said, I got about halfway through the week, and I had no clue what I was going to teach on. So we're playing more songs this week. No. (laughs) But my wonderful wife said, well, you're really passionate about being thankful. Why don't you teach on being thankful? And so I started digging on that, and I was like, this is big. 
There's a lot to it. And then, uh, so I got another day into my schedule and I didn't really have much on paper. And she said, why not you teach on Psalm 8? And I was like, now that's something that I can lock down. I can start putting feet to that. And so that's what we're looking at today, Psalm 8. And I think it was amazingly, it was, it was a God thing that my schedule in the week was full, full of good God things, and that my encouraging wife pointed me to Psalm 8, because I think that this is incre- incredibly relevant to all of us today, and was incredibly relevant to Jesus in his day which we're gonna look at, and it's really remarkable. So let's go ahead. I'm gonna read Psalm 8, and then I'm gonna sing Psalm 8. Um, It's not exact, but it's a chorus inspired by Psalm 8. So here it is, Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have set into place, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. Yet you've made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands and you have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea. Whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. I'm going to teach you a little chorus here. I think you'll pick up on it quick. O Lord, our Lord, oh, how awesome are your ways. How majestic is your name in all the earth.
Majestic is your name in all the earth. Oh Lord, our Lord, may we see your kingdom come. Father, may your will be done in all the earth. Amen. Nice job, everybody. What a lovely. What a lovely thing. This, this text is amazing. As we look at it, David is writing a, a psalm of praise. They call it a creation hymn. It's reveling at the creation that God has made, the wonders and his glory and his majesty. Big words, big concepts. And we see something in our Bibles, something that may stand out to you, and it says, O Lord, all caps, our Lord. What's that mean? O Lord, all caps. Why is it all caps? Well, that word there is Yahweh. O Lord. That's his name, Yahweh. And its root is in an interaction with Moses long before the burning bush. And Moses says, you remember, who do I tell them sent me, right? 
And what's God say? I am. I am. And that word I am is the root of the name Yahweh. Isn't that cool? God names himself I am. I am yesterday. I am today. I am forever. I am majestic for all time. I am. I am. O Lord, our Lord, that is Yahweh, our master, our Lord, our king. How majestic is your name, Yahweh, in all the earth, in all time. You have set your glory above the heavens. He is majestic in all the earth. We see this in Isaiah 6, 3. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. This is massive because we think of God as glorious, right? That, I think, is something we think. But what's he say in this psalm that he crowns men with? What's he crown men with? Glory and honor. Hmm. His creation is glorious. The earth is full of his glory. His creation not only reveals it, but is glorious. We see this in Romans 1.20. Paul says this, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made by his hands so that they are without excuse. And he is talking to the naysayers and he's saying that you don't have an excuse. God's glory is all around you. It's evident in creation. It has been there for all time. And you can look at the mountains and the trees and the people he has made. And you can see the reflection of a glorious God. How cool is that? That is so amazing. So we see a glorious God. A glorious and powerful God whose glory is reflected in all that he has created We can see it when we look. It's been there. The evidence is available so that we have no excuse to understand or comprehend some element of the eternal majesty of God. And then we get to verse 2. This is is where I, I, I just, I love this psalm because it says, Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength. We're talking about The majesty of God, the eternalness of God, the glory of God, and suddenly, one line later, we're talking about babies. What just happened? Why are we talking about babies? Why are we talking about babies and the strength of babies' mouths? That's, this is wild to me. Not only are we talking about the strength of babies' mouths, it's saying that that strength is so strong, so powerful. We don't know what it is. It could be a babbling. It could be a cry. It doesn't say it. It just says that out of their mouths is power. And because of the power, the enemy's silenced. God knows that he has enemies, and he's saying, 
God silenced enemies with babies, mouths. Isn't that, that, this is crazy to me. I don't know if you've had a baby recently. I have. <laughs> and you know, if, if it said out of a baby's fist, that might have had me. I'm pretty sure he could rip a lot of things off with his fist. Certainly hair, and for all of us guys, our earrings, right? Very powerful little fists of his. But it doesn't talk about his fists. It talks about his mouth. I wouldn't gauge it as being very powerful. Right? You've had a baby. I wouldn't gauge it as being very powerful. But yet it says that my, my son just a few weeks ago looked at me and said, Dada, for the first time. He hasn't really done it since. So I don't know. You know? <laughs> Maybe I'm just some guy to him. But like, but you know. I felt good about it, and it felt powerful for a moment. But that's a, there's not a lot to his language, and yet God speaks through the psalmist and says, I'll silence my enemies with the mouths of babies. As I thought about this, I instantly was drawn to 2 Corinthians 12, 8, where Paul is dealing with the thorn in his flesh. You familiar with the story? He's got a thorn. We don't know exactly what the thorn is, but we know it's spiritual in nature. So he has this thorn, and he's been wrestling with it. He's been dealing with it. He wants it to be gone. And so he says in, in 2 Corinthians 12, he says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But God said to him, this is God, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardship, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God establishes his power, his authority. He silences his foes in the weakest of the weak the mouths of babies. It doesn't get much weaker. It doesn't say he establishes his glory, his power in the kings of the nations. It doesn't say that. It says in the mouths of babies. Interesting. That he'll silence the foes. Now, I'm not saying, church, that he doesn't use our leaders and that it's important for us to pray for our leaders. I spoke about that a few weeks ago. But I'm saying, don't discount God's ability to use the weakest of the weak. We're going to get into a, a cool story now of how this verse plays out for Jesus in his life. You remember, he gets a donkey, right? And he rides in to town on the donkey, and people are saying, Hosanna, son of David. Remember that story? The triumphal 
entry, we call it. And he's coming in in Matthew 21. I believe he's just finished flipping over some tables of people selling things in the temple. And the, the priests and the scribes, okay? This is 21.15. When the pre- chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things he did, they saw them, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? Jesus' response is powerful and simple because he says to them, yes, I hear it. I hear what they are saying. And then he says, have you never read, and he quotes Psalm 8 too, but it's a little different. You'll see this. Out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise. Hmm. We see here the scribes and the Pharisees have had it. They've had enough. And, the ch- and so they, they're, they're, they're confronting Jesus, and, and they are saying, do you hear what they're saying? Clearly, If they hear it, he hears it. They're talking to him, right? So they're standing there. They're asking Jesus if he hears what they're saying. Jesus is like, I'm right here. Yep, I hear the same things you're hearing. It's a rhetorical question by these scribes and priests because they want him or want to ask him without asking him, why don't you silence these children? This is blasphemy. That's what they think. But guess what? The children get it right, and the leaders are getting it wrong. The children get it right, the leaders get it wrong, and the leaders have seated themselves in the position of foes. See where I'm going with this Psalm 8? They've positioned themselves as foes, and Jesus says, yes, I hear them. And if he had ended there, that would have been an amazing statement in and of itself because he was accepting what was happening, what was going through the mouths of these children. But he goes on to quote Psalm 8. But it's a little different as we see. And I'm going to explain that briefly. We looked at Psalm 8 in the Old Testament and it says, out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength. Well, that's a very direct translation out of the Hebrew. At the time, Jesus was living in a mostly Greek world. And that same translation in the Greek comes out as prepared praise. But Jesus knew the Hebrew. So why did he say prepared praise? Interesting. An interesting choice. I'm going to share with you why I think this happened, okay? Because in Psalm, remember in Psalm 8, I said, we don't know what's coming out of the baby's mouths. Right? We didn't know. Babbling, crying, but we know that it's strong and powerful. By saying prepared praise, Jesus is putting praise into the mouths of the babies. See what I'm saying? By taking that translation and saying prepared praise, Now it's completely relatable to this situation that they're in. Because what are the kids, what are the babes saying? Hosanna. 
to the son of David. This is amazing. And there's two things that I think Jesus is saying here when he's speaking to the priests and the scribes. First, he's saying this. Psalm 8 verse 2 is happening here and now. Okay? The foes of God are being silenced and the children have the day. And the leaders had no response. We see that. They didn't have a response. So guess who got silenced by babies? You with me? Okay. The second thing is, if we put this prepared praise into the context of Psalm 8, who is it that's being praised? That praise is God's. So I believe Jesus is saying here that He's God. I am. That's the type of statement that gets you crucified. Right? You with me? Triumphal entry goes in. Priests are challenging him. He says, remember, babies are going to sing praises to silence the foes. The foes are silenced. And Jesus declares, I am. Hmm. I want to invite up the worship team. As we reflect on this and think about how does... How does this apply to us today? Something that I, uh, a reminder that I think is good for all of us is regardless of how the wicked try to assert themselves, God's glory cannot be outdone. And he uses the very weakest of things to silence evil attempts. And Paul would tell us, to rejoice in our weaknesses because God is made strong. He is strong. We are strong in our weakness. Why? Not because we're strong. Because God's strong, right? Amen? He is. I am Yahweh now, tomorrow, yesterday, and forever. If he was strong enough to bring Israel through the sea to split the waters, if he was strong enough to raise Lazarus from the dead, do we think that strength went away? Hmm? <laughs> do we think that strength went away? No, it didn't go away. How he's involved may look different in one season or another. But as we've studied through the, old, the, the minor prophets and we've looked at the Old Testaments, we've seen again and again the ways God has been gracious, merciful, and true and good. Amen? So my encouragement is this week, maybe you're feeling weak. Maybe you're feeling weak. Maybe you're feeling down. Maybe you're feeling discouraged. Maybe you're saying, what do I have to offer? And what I want to tell you is that if, if God can silence his foes with the mouths of babies, he certainly can use each and every one of us.